I want you just to turn to the person next to you and tell them this. I have really good news. I have really good news. I have really, really good news. I don't know what it is yet, but I have really good news. Oh, you know what it is. You know what it is. I've got really, really good news. The Rock Church uh, exists for this reason. To see lives transformed into the likeness of Jesus. That's our purpose. That's the mission that God has given us. That's why we're here. That mission that uh, God gave us was the mission he gave the whole church, the, the global church. Jesus taught this in his last charge to the disciples before he returned to the throne of heaven. The last thing he says to them, end of Matthew, Matthew 28, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now I'm sure you've noticed that Jesus didn't instruct us to make converts. And he didn't instruct us to make people more religious. He commissioned us to go out and make disciples. In the original word, methetuo, a word which means a follower, a student, an apprentice. And he told us to teach them everything that Jesus taught. Discipleship is the journey of a person as they follow Jesus, as they follow him, as they learn from him, and as they become transformed to be more and more like him. Discipleship is the journey of transformation. And it's a journey that is not walked alone. The journey of discipleship starts with an invitation to walk. Someone asks us to step out and begin to follow. This morning I want to share with you the story of how one man came to start his journey with Jesus. The story of the Apostle Peter. So if you would be so kind, please turn to John chapter 1. We're going to spend a little bit of time in John's Gospel. John chapter 1, and we'll start from verse 29. And if if this morning goes well, maybe over the next uh, couple of months we can spend some time following this story to see how Jesus takes a messed up, crazy man and turns him into a legend. Anyone want to be a legend for Christ? Anyone want to be mediocre? Just okay. I think there probably are some people who would be okay with that. But I want to to seek something uh, deeper from God. John chapter 1 verse 29. Lord, and as we preach your word this morning, as we listen to your word, I pray that your word alone would remain, that your word would find a place in our hearts and in our minds. I pray you'd humble us to receive it and to let it transform us, Lord. And any, any word or knowledge of man, Lord, I pray that that would just fade away and be blown away. Your word, Lord, in Jesus' name. John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water 
was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, and I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. John the Baptist was the most significant prophet uh, in Israel, the most significant prophet of his day. In fact, Jesus himself said, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. This guy was the real deal. But John, as great as he was, as, as a prophet, as a preacher, he wasn't trying to build his own empire. He wasn't precious about his disciples and building up his own thing. He knew his destiny was to prepare the way for someone else. He was there to prepare the way, to prepare the people for the Messiah, the Saviour that was yet to come. And so when he sees Jesus, he tells his disciples, this is the one we've been waiting for. This is the Lamb of God. This is the Saviour. And they did exactly what they should have done. They followed Jesus. John's agenda was Jesus. And he didn't let his own ego get in the way. And he could have because there were people who thought John the Baptist was the Messiah. And there had been false messiahs before. He could have claimed it, taken all the glory and done his own thing. But no, he knew who he was and he knew what God had called him to do. And he stayed true to that. Back in John 1, from verse 38. Turning around, Jesus saw John's disciples following and asked, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. And so they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist. He had received John's message of repentance. This is what John preached. He preached it throughout the land. Turn away from your sins and seek after God. John preached this everywhere. He baptised people into this repentance. And so Andrew, having sat, sat under this teaching and been a disciple of John, had received this, this message. He had come to embody it. He was seeking after God. So his heart was probably in the, the best position, the best condition to actually respond to the Messiah when he finally met him. And so his heart is seeking after God. And John the Baptist says, 
That's the Son of God right there. Bang! Andrew can't help but follow after him. And after spending a whole day with Jesus, listening to him share his heart, listening to him teach, just being in his presence, he grabs hold of that hope. And he comes to believe, wow, this Jesus really is the Messiah. And what does he do? Does he run down to the Christian bookstore to get some devotional material and some uh, excellent books on Christian living? Does he go to the synagogue and try to join the worship team? Does he run home to burn all his non-Christian CDs? They didn't have CDs back then. No, he doesn't do those things. What he does is he seeks out his brother. He has found something so, so precious. And the first thing he does is find someone he can share that with. He finds his brother, his family, also his work colleague. I have got to share this with you. We have found the Messiah. He finds him and he takes him to Jesus. Andrew has found hope. He wants his brother to find that hope too. He didn't second guess himself and say, oh, Simon will think I'm crazy or Simon will think I'm you know, just a religious nut. Uh, Simon won't care. Andrew found his brother and he told him about Jesus. I just want to park uh, there for, for a moment. Andrew has come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Preaching to a church in New Zealand on a Sunday morning after an early morning all-black test, I would imagine that there is a few other people here who also believe Jesus is the Messiah. Am I right? Any believers in the house? If we believe that Jesus is the Saviour, what do you think we should do with that tidbit of information? What do, we, what do we do with that? Share it with our journal? we write that kind of thing in our journal? Do we um, share it with our life group? Do we store it away in our hearts because our faith is something that's personal? It's between me and God. And I don't want to you know, force my beliefs on someone else. We do a bit of that, don't we? What do you think is the most valuable piece of information uh, in the world today. What knowledge out there is most important, most pertinent for this day? The cure for cancer, malaria or AIDS, that knowledge would be quite powerful today, wouldn't it? The secret to peace in the Middle East, uh, the location of large undiscovered oil reserves, that would be handy. Uh, the ideal strategy for winning a Rugby World Cup. <laughs> we could certainly use that uh, in October next year. Let me put it to you that there is no more significant, no more valuable piece of information than this. Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Saviour of the world. He died for our sins and conquered death. Believing in him, put your faith in him and you will be saved. 
that is the most significant piece of information there is. And we know it. We know this. We believe it. And we keep it to ourselves. We don't share it with the people that we care about. I love this story in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come and they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, he took his mat and he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. I've seen a paralyzed person be healed before. You've seen anyone healed of something pretty far? You know miracles exist, right? You know the power of God moves. You know what I haven't seen? Anyone rip a hole in a roof to get someone to meet Jesus. I've never seen that before. I've never seen anyone act with that extremism, that complete disregard for anything, their own shame, people's personal property, to get a loved one to Jesus. Jesus did in that story what Jesus does. He acted with compassion. He showed God's power. He healed. He forgave sins. Jesus is constant. That's how he rolls. That's his day job. That's what he does. What's different in there is the attitude, the heart of the friends of this man. That's what really blows me away in that story. I expect Jesus to do that stuff. I don't expect people to act like that, though, to bring a loved one to Jesus. I don't expect that because I don't see that. I don't see it in my own life. I don't see it in in our church. That is what inspires me in this story. Because I know that when we can bring people to Jesus, he just does his thing then. People get saved. People get healed. Lives get transformed. So our prayer needs to be not, oh, Jesus, will you do this? Jesus is going to do his thing. My prayer for me is that I would have the same passion that those men had for their paralyzed friend. What I found intriguing about Jesus' response is the word says that Jesus responded to the faith of the friends. I'm still grappling with that. Theologically, that troubles me. I need to work that one through. But 
for now I have this, this sense that my faith and my passion can influence God in some way and that my faith for my friends actually counts for something. It's not just about them. So I'm going to carry that in my spirit and seek God more on that and try to build on my passion. How did this man come to be saved? Because his friends would stop at nothing to get him to Jesus. Don't you want your friends, and I know this is so, don't you want your friends and your family, your workmates, to have testimonies like that? I want them to have testimonies. Well, I want them to have a testimony full stop. But whatever it takes, whatever it takes. I struggle personally with a sense of urgency on this stuff. There are people in my life who have not reconciled with God and this bothers me. But it isn't bothering me enough to do much about it. That's my problem. And so that's what I pray for. A heart that breaks for the lost in my life and spurs me to action. I came across this clip last night. Why don't you watch it with me? Thanks, Gav. In life, you have those friendships that you'll never forget. For me, it was a guy named Stevie Stevenson. We did everything together. You couldn't tear us apart. We were best friends from childhood all the way to graduation. I'll never forget the day we met. Hi. Hello. Um, my name, my name is Danny. Yeah, I know who you are. Welcome to my house. My mom made me say that. Yeah, yeah. My name's Stevie. Um, welcome to the neighborhood. My mom made me say that. Mm. So, um, um, hey, um, I'm Stevie. Hey. Yeah. Why, why are you rubbing your bum? Huh? Why are you rubbing your bum? Uh, I got spanking. Uh-huh. And I got grounded. You got spanking and you got grounded? Yeah. Well, what'd you do? Well, I can't tell you. Well, tell me. No, I'm not supposed to tell you. Well, just tell I me. I can't tell you. Friends tell friends everything. Are we friends? Yeah, don't make a big deal about it. Okay. Um, okay, I got spanking. Uh-huh. And I got grounded. Yeah. Um, because I was... Using my parakeet yep. as a test pilot. You were? I was experimenting you were, with him. You were experimenting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I do. I duct taped him to my big wheel uh-huh. to see if he could drive it. <laughs> <laughs> and he could, right? No, because I had taped down his little wings. Oh. But his little claws were reaching yeah. for the steering wheel. Yeah, and I pushed him down the driveway. Oh, wow. And then he got hit by an SUV. Oh, dear. Yeah. Hey. Hmm? How's the SUV? It's okay. Good, good, yeah. good. And Petey's okay too. Uh-huh. He just kind of sits in his cage all day oh. going, hoo, hoo, hoo. Except when I walk in the room and he goes, hoo, 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 Because he's excited to see you. Yeah, he wants to experiment some more. Yeah, But yeah. my mom and dad did not think it was funny. Oh. They said it was inappropriate. Party pooper. Yeah, and then they gave me a spanking and they grounded me. Hey, hey, Stevie, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Grounding, if I understand the rules, means um, that you have to at your house and you can't go outside and play. But you're over at my house, so you're not grounded. Yeah. Yeah, Stevie, you're not grounded. About that. What? I got grounded to your house. What? Yeah, see, you're the new guy. Yeah. And the new guy's always a loser until my parents grounded me to your house. I'm your punishment? Bingo. Wow. Wow. 
He knew I went to church. He knew I went to camps and mission trips. There was even this time that Stevie's parents were getting a divorce and Stevie said to me, hey, will you pray for me? I mean, it was a perfect window. It was a perfect opportunity to just tell him about God. But I didn't. It was our graduation day. I called him over to my house because I just had to tell him everything. Dude, you ready to go? You well, Come on, come on. I'm almost ready. What? What? My mom, she's pressing my robe. She's what? She's ironing the robe so it looks nice for graduation. Dude, you've already become an old man. What are you talking about? You're pressing your robe and, dude, your hair, your ball. I mean, what? Riddle me this. Three years ago, you had a full head of hair and now... I can land a plane on that thing. It's just in my DNA. I can't help it, okay? Okay, fine. Well, grab your DNA and your cap and gown and let's go. Look, the reason I wanted you to pick me up because I wanted to talk to you about something, Steve. Okay, well, make it quick. All right. Well, okay. It's just that you and I were graduating, and, and after the summer, we're going to two different colleges, okay? Yeah. And so we'll be around each other, all right? Yeah. And I, I kind of feel like I keep you in line because you're kind of crazy at times. So I'm just saying... That in life, dude, dude, we spent our whole friendship saying friends tell friends everything, right? Right. Okay, well, now you're going to hold out on me? Okay, look, I'm just saying, be, be careful out there. And? That's it, if you think about it, be careful out there. There's a lot of stuff out there. We're not going to be in our little bubble no, no, in no. high you, school. You know what? I get it. I get it. Because, you know, there's something I've been wanting to tell you. And it's tough. Well, maybe it's the same thing. Oh, I think it probably is, because okay. it's the most important thing. The most important thing, yes, yes. In life. Yes. When you go out in life. Yes. Don't stand in front of an open flame after eating Mexican food. That's not what I was... Dude, going. no, 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 seriously. Be careful out there. I mean, that's like, wear clean underwear. I can't always make that promise, man. Okay, I'm just saying that... I, you know what I'm saying? We're going to be late. Tell me on the way, okay? I'll tell you in the car. Promise? I will tell you. I'll, Promise? I'll tell you in the car. You're going to tell me in the car. I'll tell you. I didn't tell him. I don't know why I didn't. It's the way it was. Because I was afraid. Isn't it amazing? You can stay up all night talking with your best friend about so many topics. But when it comes to your faith in God, we clam up. We've been given this great gift, but we just keep it a secret. Friends tell friends everything, especially the main thing. Why don't we cheer? It wasn't Andrew's problem. After spending the day with Jesus, Andrew ran straight to tell his brother and then he took him to meet him as well. Andrew did so much more than pass on information. He took Simon to the source to meet Jesus himself. He didn't pass on a theory. He made an introduction to a real person. And then in John chapter 1, verse 41, Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Peter. 
Peter, which means rock. Jesus looked at Simon and saw what he would grow to become. A rock, solid, stable, a pillar among the apostles, a foundation of the early church, a leader, a preacher, an evangelist, a world changer, a history maker. Jesus saw the man he would become and he gave him a new identity, a dream to aspire to. Because Peter didn't become Peter straight away. He had to walk uh, an often difficult journey with Jesus over the next three and a half years to become this man. But Jesus saw that in him and he placed that upon him. Notice what Jesus gives us all, a new identity, the one he had in mind for us all along. And just like Aladdin or Cinderella or other appropriate Disney character, we're not the poor, dirty orphan. We are sons and daughters of the king and our new name is written in the book of life. After spending the next three and a half years following Jesus, Peter goes on to preach to a huge crowd in Acts chapter 2 and leads 3,000 to faith in Christ. And all that started because his brother took him to Jesus. Wow. Andrew was a disciple and he found another to walk with him on that journey. So my question for you this morning is, who is your another who will you take on this journey? Discipleship, the road following after Jesus, starts with one step. And there are people in our lives who don't know what that step is. They don't know who Jesus is or where to find him. Or even that they need him. And this is why Jesus doesn't beam us up to heaven as soon as we make a decision for him and give our life over to him. He leaves us here for a purpose. He gave us a mission. Make disciples of all the nations. So what do you want to take? Who do you want to take on the journey with you? Who do you want to take? I don't have to think about that. When I close my eyes, and I want you to... Just bear with me. Close your eyes for just a second. Just close your eyes. Who needs Jesus? When I, I don't even have to meditate on this. There is one face that comes into my mind's eye straight away. There is one person more than any other that I really want to be saved, but he doesn't know Jesus. He hasn't reconciled to God. And I know there's someone in your mind's eye as well. And so, Lord, my prayer is that our zeal, our passion for the salvation of our loved ones would exceed, Lord, our passion for ourselves, for our own egos, our own reputations. Lord, I pray that our passion for our friends, for our families, would burn within us.
pray would well up with compassion the way that, that Jesus did when he saw real need, when he saw broken people. I pray we'd be mindful of this person all the time and we would pray for them. And I pray, Lord, for divine appointments, opportunities, Lord, to share faith. And not not share a theory, but share the transformational relationship that we have. We can introduce people to a real person, to Jesus. So, Spirit, I pray that you would come even more alive within us. You'd quicken us to act. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to give you a homework assignment um, this morning. Uh, and uh, and I'm going I'm to do this. And um, I'm going to pledge to you that I'm going to do this. This is, this, is your, um, this is your application for the message this week. You need to go and share faith, Jesus, with someone this week. Not share the rock, not share church, not share some good Christian principles. I am challenging you to go share Jesus and your relationship with him with someone this week. I am challenging you to fight through every excuse that's going to come up, even the ones that you are hearing in your head now. Don't let that rubbish stop you from sharing hope with people. One person, that's it. I want to challenge you to do this. All right. I've got my person in my head. I want to challenge you to do the same thing. Uh, If you are here this morning and you don't know what I'm talking about and you don't know Jesus but you're interested to hear more, I want you to ask the person that you came with or I want you to come and talk to me or Greg or one of our elders or leaders straight after the service. I have very, very good news for you. Seriously, very good news. Changes everything. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, I want you to come and talk to me, talk to Greg, talk to one of our leaders up the front here or talk to who you came with, okay? Seriously, you want to know the stuff. All right, that's it.